All right, so um, I'm going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Uh, but first, I'm going to start off with a Greek, Greek epic poem, all right? And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it would take like 12 hours. Um, I'm just going to summarize it. It's the, the story of Odysseus from the Odyssey. And so the Odyssey tells us the story of King Odysseus of Ithaca. Okay, and this picks up right after the Trojan War. So he left his kingdom and his son and his beautiful wife, and he goes to, to fight the Trojan War. And it is a long war. It takes 10 years, all right? So he's absent from home 10 years. Finally, they win, right? They get victory, and they go to sail home. He and his men get on the ship. Um, but trouble is brewing, and a, a storm blows them off course, and he goes on another 10-year-long journey trying to get home to his wife and his child and his kingdom. Um, some of the, the terrible things that he faces on the way home is a giant cyclops named Polythemus. All right, so he gets stuck in his cave and a lot of his men die there. Um, he faces a six-headed sea monster named Sicilla, a massive whirlpool, um, the deadly sirens. He shipwrecked several times and stranded on islands throughout his journey. Um, so he goes through a lot over the course of these 10 years, and all of these trials don't compare to what is going on at home, which is something he doesn't know about and can't do anything about. So while he's absent from home, um, some suitors come to pursue his wife. Like over 100 guys come, and really they have one plan. They want to take over his kingdom. And so while they're there, uh, they begin to mock Odysseus's wife and his son, calling them foolish for their faithful, faithfulness. So his wife keeps saying, I'm not going to marry. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for my husband, to, husband to return. And um, they, they mock her and they laugh at the idea that he could still be alive after 20 years. So they say things like, surely he's been dead. All right, You haven't seen his face in over 20 years. Today will be no different. They keep saying that to her. He's not coming home. So for years and years and years, these men devour Odysseus's property. Um, they eat his food every day. They make his servants serve him. Um, they, they drink his wine. And they even put together a plan to murder his son so that one of them can be the heir. All this because they believe that Odysseus will never return. That's the attitude they have. He's not coming back. The king's gone and he'll never return. Well, much of these uh, wicked, or much to their surprise, uh, the king does finally return after 20 long years, and uh, nobody's expecting it. But when he comes back, he brings justice, judgment, and his wrath with him. Everyone who is not faithful to Odysseus is dealt with immediately and fiercely. I'm going to spare you the details because they're very bloody, but if you're into action and, and gore, um, just go read the end of it. It's a, it's a crazy scene, and uh, Odysseus himself, he's a great warrior. He takes out all a hundred and some odd suitors himself. Um, and so, anyways, um, they, they, they pay for what they've done and their, their faithlessness. So uh, that, that's kind of the, the, the story, um, but what I want to look at today is a similar story, but a true story. Okay, because it's the story of Scripture. It's a story of a greater king, King Jesus, who has gone away for a while, but has promised to return home to his bride, the church, to set up a kingdom of peace. He will come at a time when people least expect it, and he will deal with those wicked men who reject his rule and his authority. His wrath is going to be poured out, and his kingdom will be established, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But until that day come, his bride, or comes, his bride awaits his return. And there are those like the wicked men in the story 
who try to steal her affection. There are those who, like the men in the story, devour and squander all that really belongs to the real, true one, King Jesus. And they all do this while mocking his return and his existence. Second Peter chapter 3 talks about these type of people. Look at verses 3 and 4. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last day with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. All right, so uh, it, in, in the last days, there are going to be people who have the same attitude as the wicked men in our story, right? They, they, they laugh at the idea that, that there is a real king, right? That he's really coming back and that they're in real trouble if they're found opposing him. They, they mock that, okay? They, they, they look at the bride of Christ, the church, and they say, you are a fool. 2,000 years, over 2,000 years since Jesus has been dead. Wouldn't he have already come back by now? Okay, well, why is he, why is he tarrying? Why is he waiting so long? There is no king. And so they live their lives as if that's true. They, they follow their own lust and their own sinful desires because they want to be king, just like the men in the story. But this attitude isn't anything new. Um, Scripture is really clear that it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And that's what verses 5 through 7 say. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water, through water, by the word of God. And that by means of this, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. So it's talking about the flood. By the same uh, word, the heavens and the earth now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So in, in the book of Second uh, Peter, we see that uh, he, he points back to the flood and he says, people need to realize that this heart and this attitude isn't anything new. Just, just like in the days of Noah, right? Noah um, is a man who preaches righteousness. He's warning them of God's coming wrath. Um, he's building a giant boat in the middle of the desert and people laugh, right? They, they mock him. They say, you're a fool. He warns of a global flood. They say, it hasn't rained in, in hundreds of years. You know, what are you talking about? And um, it, the, the Bible tells us that on the day when the floodwaters bursted open, they were marrying and eating and drinking. They were just living life like it was normal, right? Pursuing their own fleshly passions and then judgment swept over them. And they, they all died in the worldwide flood. So judgment came. So 2 Peter 3, 7 says, this is going to happen again, right? Peter's saying, in the same way, we're, we're going to have the second round of judgment and people will be um, living their lives, chasing after dreams. People will be marrying and having babies and eating and drinking. And they, they will um, not understand that, that the wrath of God is about to come. Uh, but the second time, it's not going to be with water. It's going to be with fire is what Scripture says. So here's the questions we have, right? When will it come, right? When, when's this going to come? Or why hasn't Christ returned? Did, did he forget about his people, right? It, it has been 2,000 years. That's a very long time. So is, is he slow to keep his promises or his word? Peter knows we're going to say that, so he tells us verse 8 and 9. And this is what he says. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one day. And then listen to verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, 
but that all should reach repentance. I, so I hope you hear, okay, because Scripture is really clear, I hope you hear why God has not come back, okay, because he loves and he cares for you, right? That's what it's saying, that, that the reason God hasn't returned, that he, the reason he hasn't brought wrath and set up his new forever kingdom is because he, he's still showing grace and patience and kindness to sinners like you and me. There, there's still people who are being saved and putting their faith in Christ every day. And so I, I hope that's you. Man, I, I hope while God is being patient, we know he hasn't come back yet. And, and while he has, there's still opportunity to trust in him. And, and that's my hope and prayer for you tonight. So um, let me pray for us, and then we'll wrap up. And I think that's, that's all of us for tonight. So let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your scripture. Um, I thank you for your kindness and patience towards me, God. I, I lived much, much of my life as a rebel against you, God. I'm not loving you, but loving myself and seeking things that would only glorify me. Um, God, but you were so gracious and you were so kind. It's, you were so patient with, with me, just as, as you were with the, everyone else in this room and all of your people, God. You're, you're so kind to wait on us and so gracious as to stir our hearts up in real faith towards you. I pray that you would continue to do that, God. Until that day when you come back, you would still be opening the eyes of, of men's hearts to see who Jesus is, to savor and glory in him and love him more than anything else. And for those of us who already do believe, God, stir our affections up more towards you so that we might love you. And God, we thank you for scripture. We thank you that it is the greatest story ever told. And that is why we could talk about 10,000 different movies or books because everything that's good and glorious and wonderful um, is, is really a copycat of Scripture. It points to a greater story and a greater truth, and that's the story of redemption, the story of the gospel. So thank you for your love and your kindness. We pray this in your name. Amen.